um, the cabinet members and other members, uh, to officers and to uh, the audience listening at home. This is the Uttlesford cabinet meeting of the 9th of July. Uh, we have no public speakers, so we'll go straight into the main part of the agenda. But although um, this has been uh, mentioned just before we start, a number of people have uh, joined at the end. And uh, I'm, look, during the meeting, just like to welcome Lorraine Brown, who is there on the screen, who will be joining us, I believe it's the end of next week, as our interim monitoring officer. So formally from the Cabinet of the Council, welcome. And I, I, I do hope you enjoy our time uh, here with us. Um, Thank you, Councillor Lodge. Uh, yeah. um, item number one, apologies uh, for absence. I think we're all here now, are we not? Ben, did we receive any apologies? Just, just from Councillors Light and Chrissioni, Chair. Okay, from, from other leaders, not members. Okay, thank you very much. Um, item number two, sorry, were there any declarations of interest? I believe county councils don't need to in that. Um, uh, I don't think there are relevant items here. So, uh, minutes of the previous meeting. Can I have any comments on that or may I... Uh, adopt them as a true record of the meeting of the 27th of May. Okay, thank you. That 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 was uh, met. No no dissent whatsoever. So we'll uh, move on. Item number three. Then questions or statements from the non-executive. Uh, uh, members of the council, do, do we have any such questions? Um, it would appear not. We are doing extremely well. Um, matters referred to the executive by the scrutiny committee. I believe there are non-formally um, uh, referred, and that we will be able to handle these under. Item 8, where there are obviously significant input from the Scrutiny Committee. Could I ask the Chair of Scrutiny if he's content with that? Thank you, Leader. Perfectly happy with that under Item 4. And as you say, the local plan matters have a substantive item at Item 8. Under Item 5, it's probably just worth mentioning that, uh, as you know, there was a call-in meeting on the corporate plan, delivery plan, um, I think I'd be entirely honest if I said that the call-in meeting didn't generate much more knowledge and light than the previous meeting of Scrutiny Committee, which considered this matter. Um, Scrutiny Committee was concerned about the Corporate Plan Development Plan, but that, of course, has to be looked at within the context of COVID and the deep, almost systemic uncertainty about finances that that has caused uh, what we have asked is that uh, Councillor Hargreaves and Mr Webb, in particularly in relation to the finance aspects of that, come back with a, an updated version in time for the September meeting of scrutiny, by which time we hope there'll at least be uh, some greater degree of clarity on finances and the implication on the corporate plan. Thank you. Indeed, thank you. And we have... We have Put, put together a schedule of meetings leading up to that. We understand that, uh, that schedule. 
Um, so I believe then in number five, then there are no formal reports from uh, overview scrutiny committees. So uh, I will move on to item number six, report of delegated decisions by cabinet members. Members will um, have seen um, the meetings leading, leading up to that effectively. So the investment board um, and um, obviously then to full council, I believe it was on the 23rd of June. So members will have seen those uh, investment uh, uh, decisions and will have seen the pro process. Obviously, if we look at the delegated decisions, then the nature of the decisions are mentioned, though, of course, the specific details are, are not yet uh, available to the public. So, um, any comments from uh, members on that? Um, Chief Executive, is this, to, is this to be adopted or noted? No, uh, Chair, it's, it's just for noting it's to put into the public domain in case anybody missed the publication of the yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cabinet member decisions at the time. Okay, thank you. Um, any, any comments, members, or shall we say this is noted? Right, again, I see no dissent from that, so um, I will move on. If members could be strong in their in their dissent, if they are, obviously procedures are somewhat different under uh, Zoom meetings. But uh, I obviously do not want to feel as I'm pushing things through. And uh, for members listening at home, there was general consent here on the screen. Um, item number seven then: report on assets of uh, community value. Um, specifically, we have the uh, Andrews Field um, proposal. Uh, are there any comments on that one? All I would say, uh, Leader, as chair of that um, committee, this was not a run-of-the-mill um, case. It was not a pub, a shop or an allotment uh, in one of our villages. It was quite unique, really, in so much as it was quite bitty, um, possibly um, a third of the location is not within Uttlesford, it's in Braintree District uh, uh, Council mm -hmm. area, although the vast majority, uh, certainly of what we were looking at, lies within Uttlesford. It has been before the Asset um, Committee on two previous occasions, and on both occasions were turned down. But what I would like to comment on, that there was considerable evidence given to the committee by councillors Evans and Merrifield, who are the Stebbing uh, District councillors. And um, uh, the best way of describing it, there was a wind of change. Um, the advice from our officers um, was that um, certainly this could be included as an asset. And having heard all of the uh, um, evidence, that is the way that the committee unanimously, uh, unanimously um, went. Um, I think it is a very good example of officers and um, councillors 
working together and working um, for the right, right result. So yes, it is now on our um, register of assets. Okay, thank you very much, Councillor Day. I have Councillor Eek. Thank you, Chair. I just wanted to add, um, Andrews is not uh, uniquely in our area. It also stretches into, I think it's Braintree's um, uh, jurisdiction too. And the one thing that seemed to be missed off was the parking apron for the aircraft from the original um, application. And I'm hoping that uh, that was able to be bought before the Braintree ACV committee. And uh, I don't know what the outcome has been. I don't know if anybody else can update us on uh, the outcome of the uh, Braintree deliberations. I wonder if uh, Mr Glenday has any information on that. My understanding, Leader, if I can assist, yeah, is yeah. Uh, Mr Pugh, before his um, departure, um, did notify me that um, the matter has been um, accepted by Braintree District Council. So we uh, are, both, both uh, councils are singing from the same hymn sheet. Okay, so I don't know. did you want to comment on that? Did you have any further? Uh, no, I haven't heard any more than that, to be perfectly honest, Leader. Sorry. Okay, thank you. Uh, Councillor Evans. Sorry, thank you. Um, I did um, make representations uh, as the council manager at um, the um, asset committee meeting, and I would like to thank the chair and the other two members for their a very active um, control of that meeting and uh, detailed questioning. Um, but uh, it was an hour and a quarter, I think, uh, altogether in its duration. But as to what happened after the meeting, Raintree did accept as an asset of community value, dealt with in their district by officers alone rather than by members. They did accept that the uh, part of the runway lying within Raintree districts um, land area uh, would be uh, designated as an asset of community value uh, and the one piece of land which had not been put forward by Stebbing Parish Council as the promoter of the asset designation uh, which was the aircraft parking area which Councillor Eek very um, helpfully um, uh, remarked upon and assisted in um, pointing out its Im importance. Uh, an application is being made uh, for that to be designated additionally. Uh, and with that, uh, and if that goes through, hopefully, uh, and with the um, cafe and uh, clubhouse uh, and bar having previously been designated as an asset of, value, of community value, uh, then all three parcels, if I can describe it like that, um, would then become uh, as a whole uh, three separate assets of community value, whether in due course all three would be swept up into one neat uh, unit um, uh, would be something for uh, Stebbing and Sailing Parish Councils to consider um, advancing in due course. But I'd like thank, to thank the committee and Mr Pugh in particular uh, for their um, input and work on that particular uh, proposition. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I'm presuming then that the committee is happy to receive that information. Um, 
I see no other hands up, so we will say that uh, the Cabinet has received that. And I would also just mention at this stage, uh, on the subject matter, members will remember that the gate public house in Saffron Walden was uh, put forward and accepted by the committee. However, there was uh, an objection from the owner and I understand that that has now been formally rejected so that the GET is not registered as an asset of community value. Um, Here, I, uh, sorry, Leader, I wonder if I could just come in with one point. You've, you've just reminded me by mentioning um, the GATE. Certainly. Um, I, I have asked um, the um, Chief Executive Officer uh, as to whether some training can be given to committee members um, that sit on the assets um, uh, panel. Because not all cases are straightforward. Um, the gate is, a, is an example, and of course uh, this airfield is an example. So hopefully uh, anybody that sits on the uh, committee will receive some training. Okay, perhaps we'll, we'll take that one offline, uh, Colin, thank you. But a good point. Uh, moving on then to the, um, the new local plan governance arrangements, which has received uh, significant airing um, at scrutiny already in the, uh, uh, this week, in fact, it was mon Monday evening. Um, but I will first of all ask... Um, Councillor Evans to uh, to introduce this item to cabinet. You're still muted, John. There we are. Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Chairman, for uh, that, and I'm delighted to have the opportunity of putting forward. Uh, this uh, recommendation uh, to you. It is described in the papers before you as being as not being a key decision. Uh, I have to say, I don't think I felt that way uh, in the days uh, and hours that led up to uh, finalising the material which has actually come uh, before you, uh, and indeed the material which came before scrutiny, as you said, on Monday uh, evening. Uh, the work which has gone into uh, putting forward this uh, proposal uh, was substantial on the part of uh, not only the officers, but also very significantly uh, two gentlemen uh, who have been retained by Atlasford to provide independent uh, advice uh, to it. They come to us through the uh, East of England Local Government Association Talent Bank is uh, how... Uh, the body is called. Uh, they are both uh, very experienced uh, individuals, uh, both as administrators within local gov government. As uh, chief, one is a chief exec, one was a former chief executive, and the other a senior planner. So the two individuals come uh, with a great depth of uh, professional uh, experience um, as administrators and uh, planners. Uh, the advice that they have uh, given has been um, submitted by way of a report which is attached to our papers, a report dated the uh, 25th of June. Uh, and uh, that report does bear 
um, careful uh, reading, and I'm sure that we've all read that report a number of times. Uh, it does have attached to it uh, an organogram uh, setting out the three pillars of functions uh, as the consultants have identified them to be, the three different functions uh, for a local planning authority to uh, be uh, discharging. Uh, and that uh, organogram uh, is supplemented uh, by a separate organogram attached to uh, the papers before you, uh, which is laid out in slightly different uh, form. Uh, the purpose of preparing um, the second organogram uh, was really to try and um, display in a little, uh, with a little greater clarity um, the, uh, the way in which the organisation uh, and governance going forward for our local plan would operate. Uh, there was no particular organogram uh, structure uh, described and laid down uh, in the past in relation to the uh, uh, emerging local plan, which was withdraw withdrawn on the 30th of April. Uh, so this is a new uh, document uh, which has been brought into existence for this forthcoming uh, local plan. Uh, I would say that this is a a document not uh, pulled off the shelf as having been tried and tested uh, in other local planning uh, authorities in the context of their local plans. So it is a tailor-made uh, document uh, for us, which was prepared with our um, mandate of transparency and consultation very much uh, to the forefront. Uh, the uh, paper... Uh, which has been put before you was considered not just by me, but uh, very extensively uh, jointly with um, our colleague, Councillor Stora, uh, the deputy um, um, uh, portfolio uh, holder. Uh, and I would just like to thank him as well for the considerable amount of time, including uh, the weekend before last that was put in uh, by him and also another uh, member, Councillor Bagnall, uh, for his work in preparing uh, the second of the two organigrams that I've just described. Uh, the work um, in the paper from the East of England uh, consultants uh, is um, descriptive uh, of the structures which we are recommending uh, to you. Uh, and the most important uh, aspect of it, I think, for the purposes of tonight's um, meeting uh, is the reference uh, there to be found uh, of a local plan leadership group. Uh, and leadership, I think, is a very significant and appropriate word to have found its way for the um, description of that group. That group would be put into place uh, in substitution for its uh, predecessor in uh, form, perhaps, um, namely the planning policy working group. Uh, the local plan leadership group uh, would uh, be a uh, working group of uh, this uh, body of cabinet. Uh, and uh, currently it is uh, proposed uh, that it be made up of up to uh, 12 uh, members uh, covering the political representation uh, of, our, uh, of our council. Uh, it would also be made up uh, of members um, coming from representing wards uh, across the district. So it would not be uh, centric 
uh, upon any particular geographical area within the district, uh, nor uh, would it um, reflect uh, um, historic uh, time serving, if I can put it that way, uh, of um, members. So it is. it will be made up of um, uh, individuals who will be able to come to matters with a fresh uh, eye. Uh, at scrutiny the other on Monday, um, one of the members of the public asked uh, and questioned whether or not there was sufficient competencies uh, on our part in um, producing leading towards a local plan. And uh, uh, he implied um, um, that uh, perhaps competencies uh, not on the part of officers uh, was uh, uh, questionable. Uh, but as to that, um, I felt able uh, with uh, some degree of confidence to uh, remind him that um, Councillor Storer is a, um, a professional planner by, uh, by background, uh, and I am a solicitor. Uh, and I think between us, uh, as a uh, pair of uh, individuals um, uh, leading on this, I think that the competences between us uh, will serve to assist um, uh, cabinet uh, and membership as a as a whole. Uh, it is anticipated that the leadership group uh, be larger in number, therefore, than the number uh, recommended by the uh, by the consultants. Uh, and furthermore, uh, that that body uh, meet not in private as they had recommended, uh, but rather. Uh, meet in public, uh, but with the opportunity to be available to that uh, leadership group to meet and sit in uh, private, uh, not dissimilarly, uh, therefore, uh, to the opportunity given to uh, us uh, to meet in private if there are matters uh, which are considered uh, worthy of part two uh, treatment. Uh, so, uh, it is uh, likely that there will be uh, the occasional uh, meeting held in uh, private uh, when circumstances uh, merit uh, that. Um, and so uh, in that respect, uh, there is a difference uh, between the recommendation contained in the uh, consultant's report uh, and uh, what uh, tonight I'm proposing and recommending uh, for consideration by you. As for that, uh, uh, leadership group. I will not uh, myself uh, be a formal member of it. I will be attending its meetings. Um, the reason for that, uh, given that it will be chaired by Councillor Storer, the reason for that is that it will be um, possible uh, for that body to uh, report to uh, Cabinet and therefore uh, not uh, to me as the uh, portfolio uh, holder uh, formally. We consider that was in the interests of um, uh, transparency, transparency and uh, openness. Uh, one very important matter that we will be uh, wanting to focus upon is the timescale for uh, work in relation to the uh, local plan, uh, time management and the preparation of a um, detailed project uh, plan uh, will be um, vital. Uh, and indeed, the maintaining of timetable um, uh, timetables and benchmarks will be something which the leadership group also will be requested and uh, uh, asked to uh, stick to um, formally. Consultation, as you will have seen from the uh, organogram, uh, uh, 
is to be provided um, and members of the public who have, uh, through uh, Councillor Gregory and indeed others, um, who've observed and remarked as to whether or not there will be enough effective consultation and engagement uh, with them. Uh, they have asked, um, how will that actually happen? And the detail of all of that uh, will emerge uh, through the statement of community involvement, uh, but consistent with uh, our mandate to the residents, we will be sure to ensure transparency and uh, consultation uh, to the greatest extent uh, possible. Uh, some of our members have actually remarked on the use of uh, plain English in communications, and uh, I do um, uh, have sympathy uh, with that, uh, and uh, hopefully uh, consultations will be undertaken um, uh, through uh, as simple a means uh, and yet effective uh, as possible. Uh, I am very um, keen indeed to ensure that evidence and materials brought uh, before the leadership group and then onwards uh, should be accessible and easily accessible and easily searchable by anyone who wants to look for them. Uh, I historically uh, had found things rather difficult to find uh, in the past uh, when I was uh, looking for material ready to make representations historically to the uh, PPWG uh, in connection with the consultation exercise on the old um, uh, on the withdrawn local plan. Uh, so whether or not we will be able to um, have, for example, a separate website just dealing with a local plan is something which I have raised with our officers and they will be looking into the effectiveness and the cost of, a, uh, the cost of uh, that. Uh, but um, to reassure any members of the public uh, listening as well as the third tier uh, um, councils and uh, other members of the community, we will... Uh, consult effectively and are committed to doing that, including even picking up one of the suggestions made at scrutiny the other evening, uh, perhaps having a battle bus or something like that to go out into the community uh, to explain and discuss and seek their uh, views on various ideas which uh, arise. Uh, there's one other area which um, was proposed by the um, consultants, uh, which perhaps I can uh, defer commenting on until um, perhaps Councillor Gregory has um, passed his um, further remarks, and that is as to the function of the scrutiny committee in relation to the local plan. Uh, and perhaps I could uh, await uh, any uh, further help that he uh, might like to convey and recommendations from uh, his committee and uh, uh, respond uh, thereafter. Um, so I hope that that introduction uh, is of some assistance to, to, to you. Thank you, Councillor Evans. Uh, would Councillor Stoller like to make any further comments at this moment? Uh, no, thank you, Leader. That was an admirable uh, summary of the situation from uh, Councillor Evans. Thank you. Okay, thank you then. Well, post the scrutiny meeting, then I will I will uh, open the floor to the chair of scrutiny, Councillor Gregory, please. Thank you, Leader. Um, you have in front of you a supplementary circulation on the Scrutiny Committee's recommendations. Paragraph one is, I think, straightforward, uncontentious, and my 
understanding from his comments just now is that Councillor Evans and Councillor Storer would accept each and all of those suggestions as having some merit. Just going through them very briefly, um, we'd rather like the uh, East of England LGA consultants to show their workings, uh, just to contextualise and clarify the baseline of where we are. And uh, quite how they got there. Um, We wish to see the maximum feasible amount of transparency in the discussions. We accept the need for confidentiality in certain fora and at certain times, but there should be a presumption against confidentiality unless where it can be clearly demonstrated that to do so would prejudice the interests of the district and the interests of residents. Councillor Evans has spoken about the um, proposals for consultation and enhancing those, and we thoroughly support those. And it's a matter for the local plan leadership group how they go about discharging that duty. Scrutiny was of the opinion that it would be helpful if the leader of the council was to be seen to take a more active role in the corporate overview board alongside the chief executive to provide some degree of apparent, and I don't, I use the word apparent uh, advisedly, uh, democratic accountability and scrutiny. So for appearances sake. Um, We then come on to the slightly more pithy question and this was a three and a half hour meeting on Monday over how scrutiny will go about its proposed actions in terms of scrutinizing the local plan process. There was as you can imagine a diversity of opinion and a diversity of roles. The narrowly approved recommendation but that was by a vote of six to four, would be to continue with the existing scrutiny committee, not to set up a separate committee subject to the agreement of GAP and full council, and not uh, to have a um, and not to have a subcommittee. However, that was by no means a clear and overwhelming mandate. In discussions since then, which have taken place, including lengthy discussions uh, this afternoon with the Chief Executive, Council of the Counters, Vice Chair and the Officer responsible for Scrutiny Committee, and following conversations with Councillor Driscoll at his initiation uh, following Scrutiny, sentiment appears to be moving towards the idea of continuing with the existing Scrutiny Committee having separate meetings, let's call them A meetings and B meetings. A meetings would be the standard business of scrutiny. B meetings would be restricted to local plan business and would have to operate on a timely and prompt basis to ensure that the timetable of the um, local plan was adhered to. In that, it is very important to make a very clear distinction between 
the policy aspects of the local plan, which will be wholly out with the remit of scrutiny and matters for the local plan leadership group and other groups and bodies as outlined in the papers before you, and the role of ensuring adherence to process and ensuring that the plan is being progressed in a matter in a manner which is both timely and leads us to believe it will be found sound in due course. And I think that's an extremely important distinction to make. It is not scrutiny's job to second guess the judgments made by other competent bodies. It is our job to ensure that those uh, decisions and observations have been thought through, have been road tested, and that they are likely to meet with the approval of those who will be looking to uh, review the review the plan externally. Um, I'm not sure whether Councillor LeCount has any points he'd wish to add to that, or whether indeed following our discussions earlier, the Chief Executive would wish to add any points. Um. I will throw it open to Councillor LeCount or the Chief Executive or both. I will bow to ladies first, please. Um, Dawn, do you wish to make a comment at this stage? That's no? very kind of Councillor LeCount, but no, I don't think I can add anything okay. more to Councillor Gregory's uh, very good summary. Okay. Well, if I could come in, obviously this is a pretty dynamic environment that that we're working in. And uh, overall, I think it demonstrates well that uh, pre-scrutiny is working. And I hope people feel that that is, that is the way. I, I did have concerns about a scrutiny subcommittee in that I felt that that would possibly be an extra uh, stage in the process and could cause delays and unnecessary extra hearings. So uh, my... Initial thoughts are that, uh, that that I would personally feel comfortable with an A and a B scrutiny committee. So that's um, as I see it at the moment. Um, I then have Councillor Lees as the next speaker. Uh, thank you very much, Councillor Lodge. Uh, thank you, Councillor Evans, for that presentation. Um, there's a couple of things I'd just like to A, um, support, and two, a uh, couple of questions, if I may. The first one is, um, I understand that we had advice and that we have adapted that advice to our needs. And I, and I actually support that very much. I think that's the whole thing about asking somebody for advice, isn't it? We're not asking for people to prescribe it for us. We're asking them to give us information of how to go ahead. Um, and I like the idea that we have disregarded the private meeting. I also would like to support the up to 12 members. I understand that there is a little bit concern about that, about there might be too many. But I believe that with an excellent chairman, which I do believe we have in Councillor Stora, and with members that are wholeheartedly enthusiastic and committed, then that shouldn't actually be too much of a problem. Um, so I think that should be fine. And to John Councillor Evans' point from the public of do we have enough expertise on that group I think we can say we have as you said Councillor Storr is a planner you're a lawyer we've got people on the planning committee I've done it before so I think that's okay so I like I'd like to support that very much um, I'd also like to support before I go on I just want to I didn't know whether I heard you mention it or not Councillor Evans I just want to double check I am correct in thinking there is going to be a regular review 
of how we're going along. Did you actually mention that? And I missed it. Uh, no, I didn't mention it. I was going to um, oh, leave sorry. that in, in my sweep up. Oh, uh, sorry. If, if you like. Um, but I, I will um, mention it now. And in, in, indeed, it was actually um, a um, provision which I brought up with the consultants. And that was uh, to have a review as to how uh, well these structures and arrangements are working and for that review to take place um, um, in not too long a period of time. So in December 2020, this year at the end, we will have a, we will have a look at that and see objectively as far as we can uh, determine how uh, well everything is working. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't trying to steal your thunder, so I just I didn't know whether, whether I'd heard it or not. Um, I'd also like to say I do very much support the recommendations from the scrutiny committee. I like the fact that the leaders in the corporate overboard, I think the public like that. Um, I very much am delighted that we've come to an agreement on the scrutiny. I think an A and a B is an excellent idea. At the meeting, I was wondering whether it was going to be a subcommittee. And as Councillor Lodge said, that would mean too many meetings. So I would very much like us to adopt that idea of the scrutiny committee overseeing the local plan with their separate committee meetings only for the local plan um, at this moment called Team B. The other thing that has been mentioned, if I might just gently bring it up, is that whilst we're presenting these things, would it be a good idea to put the money allocated that we have somewhere in the paperwork so that we can watch the costings as we go along? It has been mentioned we don't need the exact costings, and I'm sure Councillor Howard-Greaves can tell us how much it is exactly. I know I know it's all been budgeted for, but there isn't there wasn't any at this time any notice of any budgetary money on the papers, and it might be a good idea if we can keep a tally of that as we go along. Um, that's all. Thank you. Okay, thank you. The Chief Executive would like to come in next. Go on. Yes, thank you, Chair. Could I just uh, uh, just be clear? I, I may have misunderstood you, Councillor Lees, but um, obviously the arrangements for scrutiny are for council and scrutiny. They're not for the executive. So you may welcome um, Councillor Gregory's conveyance of uh, how scrutiny committee have decided they would like to proceed. Uh, it's not for the executive to approve or agree in any way formal because obviously it's not for the executive to do that but if you were just welcoming the progress Councillor Lee's apologies but I just wanted to make that point uh, clear if I no I don't think you misunderstood I think I did say that I would definitely like to vote for that the words just come out of my mouth as as you as we normally say we would like to vote for that um, so I'll reiterate I would just like to give it my my absolute support thank you very much for pointing yeah. that yeah, actually, thank, thank you, Don. That did clear up a process matter in my mind. So I now uh, uh, fully understand that. And we do effectively then leave it to scrutiny to make those arrangements themselves. So uh, thank you for that. Um, Councillor Eek. Thank you, Chair. Yes, uh, again, just reiterate, very good presentations by both uh, Councillor Evans and Councillor Gregory. So very good that things are moving forward and... Uh, that we do have scrutiny sorted out. I just wanted to make a couple of specific points, I think, um, particularly on the Appendix 1 to the uh, ELG, ELG, 
whatever it is, local uh, government uh, report. Um, I, I, the organogram, I'm afraid I'd, I've said before, I find it quite complicated. Um, and it doesn't represent, I think to me, um, the way information and decisions need to happen, the consecutive nature of consulting, gathering evidence, thinking about what we've got, then making decisions, and then the doing. Um, it doesn't leap off the page to me, I'm afraid. And a couple of uh, specific points. It's still in section 3.12, um, the project director's role. Now, in a, in a big project like this, we have very tight timescale, very limited uh, budget. The project director in the doing end is going to be crucial and key. And I think um, being identified as a second-tier officer occupying that role is not the right way to go forward. That needs to be a high-caliber project director with project experience hopefully from outside the organisation. Um, my final point is that um, up in the decision-making box, we still have ECC Cabinet, and I do not understand why ECC Cabinet are part of our decision-making process. I do understand that we need to consult with Essex highways on specific infrastructure projects, but I don't see that Essex Cabinet has a role to play in this government structure. Thank you. Thank okay, you. I'll, I'll let uh, Councillor Evans respond to, to that, if you like, and then Councillor Dean. Uh, thank you, Councillor Reek. I know you, you have a great deal of uh, experience uh, of project management of uh, very significant um, infrastructure uh, projects, um, uh, not only in this country but abroad. And uh, uh, very grateful for your um, for the benefit of your uh, input. And I'm sure we will benefit from that in future. Uh, I think the reference to a second tier officer is actually a local government uh, term. But perhaps our chief our chief executive can comment on that uh, later. It's not intended to diminish the importance or the significance of that uh, person but I think it's in distinction from uh, distinction to our own chief executive who is uh, first here I think uh, I, 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 I might be wrong but that's as I understood it any 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 way um, but uh, I, I don't think that it's right that we should have such a person recruited um, and be outside um, uh, our officer cadre I think it, that person must be an Uttlesford uh, employee and be accorded um, uh, great seniority uh, in that uh, function uh, and uh, be respected um, in, every, in, every, in every way because that job will be a very, very, very big job uh, and he or she um, uh, will be accountable um, to us all. Um, and so... Um, I don't uh, see that person's role in any way diminished um, uh, by reference to uh, being described as uh, second uh, tier. Uh, so far as um, Essex County Council is concerned, I think perhaps 
uh, it might be helpful if you did have a look at the second of the organo organograms uh, where, uh, in fact, we have um, taken Essex County Council off, as it were, uh, from the right-hand side. Um, but there's a, um, th there are boxes on the right-hand side to the right of Corporate Overview Board uh, where you'll see strategic infrastructure delivery group and infrastructure providers and those colors are red and green to so to uh, emphasize that uh, whoever they are and that would include Essex County Council uh, are not only not only there as an in an advisory capacity but also decision making so that uh, Essex County Council for example would be making decisions um, uh, but we would wish to be involved in consulting them as effectively and as early as possible. And I know it's something which has uh, come up um, and been raised um, uh, with Councillor Storer and me uh, on a number of occasions by, uh, by you and, uh, and others. Uh, but uh, perhaps that second organogram might uh, be a better, uh, not depiction of how it will be, but um, a representation really um, and, and an indicative uh, way of uh, looking at it better than the other one. Thank you. Councillor Dean. Thank you, Chairman. I just to let you know, I, I lost uh, internet or something for 15 minutes, so I haven't, uh, I've missed quite a bit of, uh, in fact, I lost it at the beginning of Councillor Gregory's contribution. Uh, so, and I have, in case I get cut off again, I've emailed what I want to say to uh, to, to Dawn French and to Ben Ferguson, but um, let's uh, let's see how we how we get on. So anyway, thank you for giving me the opportunity to comment on these proposals. Yesterday, I wrote to Councillor Evans with a, a set of uh, constructive comments about how the Liberal Democrats think the council should go about producing version three blueprint of how the district should develop in future decades. We do see this as the biggest challenge that this administration has to deliver during this council's term of office to 2023. And I confirm that the Lib Dems will offer continued constructive support to you and the council where and when we are able and where we're allowed to contribute. None of us wants to see the wrong development in places that bring damage or unnecessary change to our towns, villages and countryside, yet we would be kidding ourselves and the public to suggest that there will be no changes. The Lib Dems want future development to be to the highest standards available and delivered in a way that enhances the district. It's true that one person's enhancement is another person's degradation. We all know that change is an emotive matter. We all know it cannot be ducked. We support a zero carbon ambition. We will support the delivery of, a new, of new places where people want to reside because they are designed as places to live, work and play. We do not want to see what I will call colloquially bog standard housing estates where people will not want to put down roots. Most importantly, we will continue to campaign for the delivery of truly affordable housing for the less wealthy members of the community. 
That's an expectation I didn't mention in yesterday's letter to Councillor Evans. We urge a timely start being made on preparing for community infrastructure levies, levies so that future developments help deliver improved infrastructure where it is needed across the whole district. Again, on an early agreed, on an early getting up to speed, we'd like to see a vision and spatial strategy agreed through consultation with local people as early in 2021 as is possible addressing places of new employment, education and play, as much as new places for people to live. We are and always have been wholly behind the public's involvement in the creation of the local plan. It has to be owned beyond the council's saffron Walden premises. That means UDC must be effective in explaining its proposals. The council must demonstrate that it has listened to what the community has said when the community does have to reject ideas and it will probably have to make many unpopular decisions. It must explain why those ideas have not been accepted. That will require strong, open and honest leadership from the majority party. There must be a commitment and determination to make difficult decisions. Right now, I have some concerns about the governance arrangements being proposed. Uttlesford must listen. It must also think. Councillors must be allowed to think quietly about what it has heard before turning the people's and other interested parties' aspirations and objections into published deliverable proposals. We think that the proposed local plan leadership group is a good concept. Its principal roles should firstly be to listen to and be told what residents, developers, landowners, our planning officers and others have said. Members must then be able to think every, everything through with officers in a quiet way, in a quiet place, before coming forward with proposals that can then be openly scrutinised, challenged and widely consulted upon. This team of members should most sensibly, in our opinion, be small, dedicated and trusted. They should be available at short notice to do their work. Each member must represent the whole district. No one should treat the role primarily as that of a ward representative there to fight his or her corner. A balanced view of interests of the whole district is crucial for crafting good proposals. I have therefore serious and practical reservations about the proposal to make this group round about 12 members strong and it was originally mentioned 15 members. That would be almost a conference and I, I fear a recipe for continual discussion and few conclusions. The suggestion that it should primarily meet in public is I believe mistaken. As I've already said, it should mostly meet in private Sleeves rolled up to work out some proposals. Only after that should the group go public into the public arena to explain its proposals to everyone. The group's work needs to be transparent to all members of the council. It needs to listen carefully and often to ward members before and during its deliberations. 
Once proposals are published, the group's members will then take the inevitable flack, hope for some praise, and have its proposals scrutinized and put out to public consultation. Finally, I believe there must be no, and I'll, I'll repeat that, no opaque behind the scenes political interference with officers' work that is unaccountable and not on the record. As I've already mentioned, there needs to be scrutiny of public proposals, published proposals at meetings open to the public. I feel that those members given the responsibility for conducting local plan scrutiny should not be the same people who have tasked, have been tasked with conceiving the proposals, and I guess that goes without saying. Most importantly, nor should the local plan scrutineers be burdened with scrutinizing other areas of the council's heavily loaded business agenda because the local plan scrutiny task is too important to be carried out by overburdened part-timers. Finally, I would like to say that the sooner the local plan is in place, the better. We look forward to a realistic project plan being published soon. The Liberal Democrats would like to see the preparation of the local plan completed in 2023. That alone means that the governance arrangements must be open, transparent, streamlined and understood by all, including the public. The, res the, the, resource, sorry, the, the resources to complete the job expeditiously need the skills, capacity and corporate mem memory of a well-trained team to be retained with enhancements where necessary. We sincerely look forward to these expectations and others being put in place and getting to work on getting the work underway. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Alan. Councillor Lee. Me? Yeah. You oh, have sorry. A um, couple of things then. Gosh, uh, I just wanted to clarify. Uh, anyway, yes. I think, actually, if I may say, Councillor Dean, I don't think anything you said about what people want is anything against whatever every party thinks in this in this in this council. I think every party, and I will say cross party, would say exactly what you've just said. Um, everybody wants good housing. Everybody doesn't want bog standard. Everybody wants everybody to be committed, and I think that I can honestly say from the people from the R4U party, and that is why it is up to 12, is that they are exceptionally committed, very eager, keen, enthusiastic, motivated. Um, I can't think of any more superlatives because they are a really good, enthusiastic team. So I think that I would like you to accept that, 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 that is, you've, you've asked for it and you're definitely going to get it. I think also I just need to answer the fact about the scrutiny. It has already been decided, obviously, that nobody involved in the leadership group or the strategic group will be on the scrutiny committee. We already have a substitute in place um, in the R4U side for Councillor Stora, who obviously will not be involved in scrutiny for the local plan. Um, so I think... I think that's about it. I just wanted to answer those questions. And if I may also just clarify in Cabinet, are, are we still, are we, do we have to adhere to the five minute rule or as we're on Zoom, are we allowed to carry on? 
we we would like we would like them to, we would like people to stick to the five minutes absolutely yes right uh thank you so i'll ask i'll ask councillor evans to uh um to uh come back and sum up and propose the motion formally then Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Chairman. Uh, having heard uh, what uh, was said by Councillor uh, Gregory in relation uh, to the uh, further deliberations of the uh, Scrutiny Committee, uh, I would uh, be happy indeed, so far as I am uh, concerned, uh, to uh, go along very, uh, um, very uh, happily with those proposals. Uh, I think that the uh, debate that we have had uh, this evening, uh, and in particular, uh, that which we had uh, at scrutiny, the questioning um, received at scrutiny, uh, is sufficient to um, permit me to provide these recommendations and put them forward in a, in a, in a positive uh, way, uh, as to be found on pages 16 and 17 of our uh, papers. Um, so I would uh, recommend uh, the approval of the governance arrangements put forward by the two consultants in Appendix A, uh, but uh, with the proviso that the workings and makeup of the leadership group um, be greater in number uh, than that proposed, and as I say, I anticipate perhaps up to 12, uh, and that it should in general meet in uh, public. Uh, but with the liberty to meet in private as uh, it determines, uh, and uh, that the uh, matter uh, of governance arrangements be reviewed uh, specifically in uh, December uh, this year, uh, and that the uh, observations and recommendations from Scrutiny Committee uh, be noted. Thank you. Could I have a seconder, please? I'd be happy to second that. Oh, well, okay. I think uh, Neil, Neil came in there. Should we try voting with the thumbs up? Um, I, I, that that ought to work. So, the, all of those in favour, I meant the the formal thumbs up on the screen. Can do people do that? We have four. I think. Um, I don't for the recording do we need to do this Mr Ferguson do you think No if you just say to, for the purpose of the broadcast chair um how many votes I, are in favor and how many against and it looks unanimous I, to me I, so I think it was a, a unanimous vote in favor there Yeah Yeah okay, Thank you we'll go forward with uh, with that then and thank you uh, to uh, everyone who's worked so hard on that from uh, councillors Evans and Sora through to the scrutiny committee. I think um, I think uh, we, we we ought to be very pleased with the way that has progressed and with the pre-scrutiny process working well. Um, we then come on to item number nine, the uh, budget forecast outturn the fourth quarter last year. Councillor Hargreaves. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Leader. Um, it's always seems slightly odd presenting this time of the year something which is historical 
and this is the last quarter's performance effectively on the budget from the previous administration, so this is the, the figures up to the financial year end and in particular any movements during the last uh, quarter up to the end of March. Uh, of course, the whole thing is now being audited by the external auditors and if they come across any material alterations to this, then obviously they will present this to members. So the audit is currently in progress and the final accounts will go to the Governance Audit and Performance Committee in September and my intention is to attend that meeting. Uh, this report details the financial performance of the Council for 2019-20, of the income and expenditure for the general fund, housing revenue accounts and the capital programme. Uh, to be clear, uh, coronavirus hadn't impacted these figures. So this is a, a pre-coronavirus world. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. um, just first of all, I'd just like to mention some uh, questions. I had three questions from Councillor Bagnall. Questions are always more fun than the actual detail. Uh, he asked, why have we got in the budget something for garden communities? This is, of course, because it's historical. It was in the previous budget. Uh, you don't change the budgets during the year. Your budget is your target, what you're aiming at. Uh, if things don't work out the same, you leave the budget there and you explain the differences. So that's, that's historical. His second question was about the housing revenue account and the very large loan. I think it's 80, currently 82 million, started about 90 million. Uh, and this was something before my time that the government, I believe, required us to, to effectively buy our housing stock. Why well, we didn't own it, I'm not quite sure. And uh, his, his question was, who, what is financing the capital and interest payments on that large loan? And the answer is it's financed out of the um, council rents. Uh, and I do recall looking at when it was originally done, looking at the, the, the model for this, uh, and for the income and the expenditure, and it was robust. And despite government mandating cuts in, in uh, council house rents, it, it remained robust. His third question was about Section 106s. There's a listing of uh, Section 106 funds held by the council. And um, my understanding, what happens is the money that comes in, if it's for Essex for education or if it's for health, it goes to the, um, the, the, the uh, care commissioning group. So that money that comes in is, is, is paid out straight away. Uh, anything else which is awaiting some other uh, action or date or event, that is held. Um, the listing is not awfully helpful. It just says... Well, land that Berry Water Lane Newport X amount. It doesn't tell you what the, what the funding, what the money is for. So I'm going to seek uh, a, a listing. I think members might be more interested in what the Section 106s are actually for, which are being held. Uh, I have requested this recently before. Uh, is Mr. Glenday still on the call? No, I missed him. He's gone. Um, didn't get any success last time. Uh, my call and emails were ignored. So I'm going to try again to get the listing from the Section 106 officer so we can see. Right. Um, into detail, the general fund. Uh, that had an overall underspend of £191,000. And the details for that are Appendix A, page 40 to 42. 
And the summary position is shown on page 34, paragraph 15. These are obviously the page numbers on the overall agenda pack. So it's recommended that the surplus of 191,000 is allocated to the medium-term financial reserve, the MTFS. Um, a lot of these things you're going to see are big, big items. What happens is because we've got reserves for doing things, capital things, like the Dunmo, like the depot, during the year you put those into the general fund budget because you've got to spend them, and then when you find you can't spend them, you haven't spent them, you shift them back again. They're not lost. It means you get very large movements either way, and that small difference. It looks odd, but that's the way life is. So direct services showed an underspend of 1.057 million. Uh, this includes an underspend on the local plan and garden communities um, planned expenditure funded from reserves. So both of these funds go back into the reserves for drawdown in, in future years. That leaves the net underspend in direct services at £156,000. And the details of that are on table, table on page 35, paragraph 19. Details of the under and overspends that contribute to the 156,000 are set out in the table on page 36. Um, on page 36, also details the underspend on the revenue financing of the capital program, and that's for Dunmo Depot and also Superfast Broadband, exactly the same as I presented last quarter, I think, time before. So these uh, funding from reserves and they'll be put back to be spent in future years. Um, so the reserves requirement for the year changed by £7.06 million. Pounds. The details of the, of the in-year reserves movement are on page 37. Um, the changes in reserves for revenue and capital projects means that reserves have a total year-end increase of £3.348 million and the full reserves position is set out in Appendix B on page 43. Uh, but please note these reserves are remarked for the purposes that originally required, and they, they go back into reserves. Moving to the housing revenue account, that has a net underspend of £210,000. That's on page, summary of page on page 38 Where are we? and that's the Moors uh, 1.96 million pounds and Warden Place 1.762 million pounds for those who don't know the Moors is uh, in Little Dunmo that's demolished 12 houses and build 16 new ones and Walden Place is sheltered housing in Saffron Morgan. Um, so full details of the net um, variance are set out on paragraph 27 of page 38. Um, the HRA reserves full year position is set out in Appendix D on page 45 and shows the allocated amount of £973,000 to support the development of the business plan. So that is the housing business plan, that's not the corporate plan, so that's, that's Petrina's cash. 
and the associated projects are included in the capital programme at Appendix E on pages 46 to 48. Moving to the capital programme, so that sets out the expenditure of all the council's capital projects uh, on both the general fund and the housing revenue account. So this is stuff you've just already heard. The full year spend for all projects is 12.93 million. All the ways of catching you. Sorry, Lee. Look, somebody's speaking. I think it's, I think that was a mistake. After allowing a slippage of 10.4 million pound, that leaves an actual overspend of 540,000 pounds. So the full capital programme is set out in Appendix E on pages 46 to 48. And the Section 106 balances I mentioned are on page 49. That's the bit where it doesn't actually tell you what they're for. And the slippage is set out in paragraph 32 on pages 38 and 39. And again, the key items are the depot and the superfast broadband and the moors and Walden Place. So... We're down to recommendations. The cabinet is recommended to approve the general fund, the housing revenue account, and the capital programme outturn positions, including the updated use of reserves and the requested slippage for the capital programme. And B, the allocation of the underspend uh, stroke surplus, one of the general fund underspend to the medium term financial strategy reserve and to the housing revenue surplus to the development reserve. So there, I recommend that. Um, Thank you, Councillor Hargreaves. Um, members, any uh, any questions or comments? Uh, Councillor Reeve briefly flashed and then went. Yeah, I tried to. Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't see... It's a very simple um, uh, uh, question. I'm assuming that all these um, uh, uh, transfers in, into reserves and the changes in the budgets have all been taken into account in your work when you were looking at the uh, COVID consequences so that uh, all the information that you were using then is simply recorded here. There's no, you know, nothing on nothing unsuspected or whatever. This is all pre-COVID. The, the um, stuff post... No, I'm sorry, maybe my, it's a, 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 possibly a, a silly question, in which case I apologise. But the, the main the question is, when you were doing your COVID um, okay. work, these were basically the figures that you were already using. Uh, well, it was actually Mr. Webb who was doing the, the, the COVID analysis, and uh, he would be would have been starting from the 2021 budget, so nothing to do with this. Uh, but he would have been assuming, I believe, perhaps Angela can correct, correct me on this, that um, any figures rolled back into reserves would just carry on in reserves, um, by and large, on a balanced budget, which is coming in pretty much, my feeling is going to come pretty much spot on budget overall. You don't have any great big carryover effect into the following year that you've suddenly got to adjust for. Uh, so I think 
for COVID, really, we're probably starting on a, on a clear start for the accounts for this year that we're in now. Um, and our current position, of course, is that we are down some millions and uh, we have to wait till the end of this month for the airport. And we also got to wait for some clarity from the government as exactly how much subsidy we're going to get for our lost income. Um, there was the indication in Mr. Webb's uh, email he sent to all councillors. But my understanding of that is that is his interpretation of the rules that have been sent out by the government, not actually confirmation from the government how much they're going to, to, to be paying us. Uh, so I think it's a clean position for the 1st of April. It's just convenient, if that can be possibly said of COVID, that it struck uh, at the end of the financial year. Uh, yeah, that's not, not you, sort of you've, you've answered my question. Thank you, you very much. Not, it's not, yeah. nothing convenient. I, I noticed that uh, Angela had her hand up briefly. Did, did you wish to comment or had it been uh, covered? Miss Knight. Um, yes, sorry, Chair. All I was going to say was we do do a return every, every month relating to COVID, and it is all related to the 2021 budget, not the 1920 budget. We had one week of lockdown, which was part of the financial year of 1920, but I think that the, the um, financial impact would have been immaterial at that point. Um, we do do a monthly return to MHCLG on the impact of the COVID cost and the loss of income, and we have had some funding through for that and are hoping for more, but whether we'll get it or not is another thing. And I think that has been put in Adrian's weekly update to members. But if we need, if you need any more clarification, I'm more than happy to provide that. Indeed, thank you very much. Um, I see no other hands up. Could I have a? We've had a proposal from Council Hargreaves. Could I have a seconder for the uh, uh, approvals? As uh, uh, Councillor Armstrong has his hand up, can we go through and try and raise our yellow hand, if our yellow thumb or hand, as I've just done, if we're in agreement. One, two, five, six, seven. Um, Councillor Freeman, did you vote on that? Yes. Councillor Pepper, was that? Yes, thank you very much. We have a unanimous uh, decision on that. Uh, Mr. Ferguson, thank you. Um, Still then, staying with Councillor Hargreaves, item number 10 on Treasury Management. Treasury Management outturn. So Treasury Management is the activity of the Council's finance function, which manages our cash flows, our bank accounts, our deposits, our investments and our borrowings. And the objective is to manage risk effectively to ensure the security of our funds, where we're placing them, uh, who we're placing them with, how long we're placing them for, sufficient liquidity so that we're not putting money on deposit for too long. We've got um, fairly rapid turnover of short-term funds. We've always got some cash available and or, so we can meet our commitments uh, to generate income if we can uh, and to minimise cost. At the moment, interest rates are so low, uh, any generating of income from deposits is pretty difficult. Uh, but on the other hand, if we are borrowing, borrowing costs are also low. 
Uh, so the current covering report sets out key activities on both long and short-term transactions, and that is on page 52. Can't find it. 52 somewhere. Uh, and the, the table on paragraph on page 53, paragraph 20 sets out the investments in the Chesterford Research Park. And the ongoing development. So the average uh, rate of short-term borrowing for 2019-20 was 0.71%. And the average return on our investments was 0.53%. So um, historically, stunningly uh, low rates. Um, Appendix A um, on page 54... Uh, that, if you want to read it, um, it's a sort of technical background document provides sort of, uh, both a local and a wider national and international economical context to Treasury management, uh, plus the prudential indicators and the assurances that council activities and transactions have adhered to the Treasury management strategy and to the CIPFA code of practice. So Appendix B on page 64 sets out all the investments and borrowing the council has made during the 2019-20 year. That's page 64. There we are. DMO, by the way, means Debt Management Office. I think that's us lending money to the government. Um, and that's it. So the Cabinet is recommended to approve the 2019-20 Treasury Management Outturn uh, attached as Appendix A. Thank you. Thank you very much, Councillor Hargreaves. Um, I'm th- thinking forward a bit, and um, I think this might look very different in a year's time from the uh, uh, the borrowing activity that we're, uh, we're looking at at the moment. So um, it's going to be a, a a very interesting year for Treasury management as well. Um, members, comments? Councillor Evans, uh, see your hand up. Uh, yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, just really a very simple um, question. Um, uh, as a Welshman, I see that we are lending and borrowing uh, to Wales as well. I assume that there's no difficulty uh, in cross-border uh, transactions of that uh, nature. I don't think I spotted anyone in Scotland. Um, but typically, are we net lenders or net uh, borrowers, um, uh, or does it depend on the seasonality of uh, matters? I just wonder, as a matter of interest, I'm sure it's not relevant mm. prudence, but uh, just as a matter of interest. Well, to note your first one about Scotland, we've got Western Isles Council. Uh, so there's a, there's, a, there's a wee bit of Scotland there. Uh, and Falkirk... It's all over the place. I don't. I don't believe there'll be any difficulty, any matter with uh, lending or, or borrowing uh, from other councils uh, within the whole of the United Kingdom. Um, I think it is all treasury debt. Yes. Um, I think too. It probably varies according to the time of the year. Uh, our, our council finances. If you look at the plot. 
uh, we get money coming in when the business rates is paid, and that typically is paid in, in chunks, uh, and then the expenditure is going out all the time, so it peaks and troughs throughout the year. Um, other councils will typically have a similar pattern, uh, but... So the short answer, I don't actually know what what, what the ratio is between our borrowing and uh, and, and lending to other councils. Um, Remember, we could ask Angela if she'd like to. Possibly, 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 she's grinning, I can't. <laughs> um, I'm, I put my hand up. I'm, Chair, I'm, I'm more than happy to interject. I mean, um, Councillor Hargreaves is correct. It does fluctuate. Um, prior to the commercial investments, we used to be net um, mainly investing, or we would be sort of had quite a lot of cash, so we're always investing. We had no borrowing. We Obviously, our borrowing is increasing, um, but also as a collection agent for all the preceptors, we do hold large amounts of cash. They're not our cash, but obviously we can use it for treasury management purposes to generate interest income. Um, and, you know, at the beginning of the year, we have quite a lot. At the end of the year, we have quite a lot. In between, we don't. We pay the preceptors sort of quarterly, so every quarter, so for a quarter we have quite a lot of investment, and then we drop down and we do quite a bit of borrowing, and so it goes up and down in troughs. I mean, if it's helpful for members, we can do we we can put that graphically in future reports if that is helpful. Not sure how much um, benefit that will give, but we're more than happy to do that. I would say if it's not a tremendous amount of work, I think that it, it, I think members would find it of interest. But, uh, um, we, we will do that then. That's not a problem. And we can also do one that compares us to other local authorities if that's required. Sorry, if yeah. I could just follow on quickly, I think it would be helpful because it's the kind of thing which um, might be of interest to um, to residents for us to include in our reports to yeah. uh, the parish councils. It's the kind of thing that... Uh, uh, people are actually interested in, In you know, they, they get their bills and they'd be interested to know what, what the money, where the money where the money goes, really, and uh, picks and troughs would be of interest, perhaps. Yeah. My, my guess is that we've been going through a, uh, in the past, a period of lending, and in the future it's going to be a period of borrowing. borrowing yes. Uh, I, I, that would be the big picture, and... How useful the detail is to, to everybody. Yeah, I, I question, but there we go. I think we would need to draw a distinction between longer-term borrowing and the short-term borrowing going through the, the, the yearly cycle, because the yearly cycle part will just carry on. And the yearly cycle, it would be quite useful to see a comparison against other similar authorities, because that tells you if you've got a trend which does not look the same as everyone else has got, then there's a question to ask. Um, on the investments, obviously, it will be reasonably specific to, to Uttlesford. Uh, but um, other councils are on the same mission as, as, as we are on. Uh, last, uh, early this week, I was on a training course, a SIPPA training course, to, it was showing how, how council accounts work. And uh, some of the questions that were asked were about the accounting for commercial investments. It's quite clear from the other participants uh, that they, some of them were doing the same thing uh, as we're doing. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how other councils fare. 
Okay, thank you very much. Could I then have a seconder for uh, for this, please? Uh, Council Pepper seconded that. Can we try? And, I'm going I'm to try and get smart on uh, on on this voting now. Uh, I think people know where where to get the the thumbs from. It's down down the bottom right hand side. If I can say, if you're all ready, can you go and vote now, please? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Councillor Day, has yours gone down? Yes, I think that was there. So that is unanimous again. Thank you very much, Mr. Ferguson. Um, on to item number 11, outsized bodies appointment. This is to appoint Councillor Lavelle as the UDC representative to the Dunmo Day Centre Management Committee. I will propose that at this stage. Could I have a seconder, please? Councillor Lees has her hand up. Can we... Don't vote yet. Hold it. Can everybody go to that reaction button? Get ready to vote and vote now, please, if you're in favour. Uh, Councillor Pepper, yours hasn't gone. Councillor Armstrong, you just give, give me a proper thumb then, otherwise. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, that's uh, unanimous as well. Just here to mention an item which may have been uh, missed off before, just to report whilst we're talking about appointments, that uh, Councillor Sutton has formally stepped down from the position of Cabinet Deputy. Um, I have it in my mind that Councillor Lees had another appointment to talk about at this stage. Um, well, it couldn't be on the agenda because it's um, it was too late and that's my fault, but I think we're looking at Councillor Driscoll attending the Housing Board. And if I may, and please, Councillor Reeve, don't take it personally in any shape or form. And I think it's because, John, you know, sometimes when you're told to, that you must do something, it forgets. We would like to welcome you on the Cabinet um, and minute it, Ben. I think we missed out, Councillor Lodge, that Councillor Reeve is a welcome, most welcome, experienced, level-headed new gentleman, passionate New very, gentleman on the, yeah, on the it's, committee. It's very belated. Sorry that. Sorry. I think it's sometimes, um, Councillor Reeve, you know, when you when you say, you know, don't mention apples and then that's all you think about is apples and then don't forget to pick up a loaf of bread and then all you forget is to pick up a loaf of bread. So, yeah, please don't think it's belated. And I'm sorry to interject in there. but I, I was... uh, That's fine. I will move on to your item then, the, um, the staircasing. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I'm sure everybody's read the report. Um, just to make it a little bit, I'll, I'll try and keep it simple. I'm sure you've read that um, shared ownership schemes are seen as an important element of the delivery. And what usually shared ownership schemes work and tenants buy initial minimum share of 25% of the equity of the home. And then they pay the rent on the remainder and then they can keep buying buying more to, to own the property. However, a lot of the housing associations that have asked us to, if they could apply for a waiver is because it's limited. They can't go to 100%. So what happens at that time is at the moment, lots of shared housing 
limits the amount of people can own of their house, which I've just said. And the housing associations have asked that some of them need to be changed and they need to be applied for a waiver here is because for the people that rent and own these properties is that when applying for a mortgage of shared ownership, it is now perceived to be higher risk. So what happens is those tenants that are in those houses have to pay uh, a larger rate and not, not such good rates that everybody else gets. And there are restrictions to the borrowing. So if there's an opportunity to buy 100% of the house that they are half owning or part owning and part renting, they're able to get a better rate. There is a disadvantage, of course, that we can lose some housing stock, but the probability of 100% membership is quite low. So the truth of the matter here is, is we are attempting to help the, the majority receive a better mortgage rate for their housing. It also, I think we've also been asked because we need to, there needs to be a tidying up exercise and people have to write to buy at Chelmer. They need to address their leases. So the recommendation is to authorise officers to apply to homes in England for waivers for the requirement to impose conditions limiting the acquisition of 100% share or providing for repurpose of the shared ownership properties identified in this report. And then secondly, to delegate the authority to the Director of Public Services to apply for waivers when requested by registered housing providers subject to him being satisfied that the conditions of granting a waiver are met and are subject to consultation with the portfolio holder for housing, which is, which is made. And that means, of course, then every time a waiver is applied for, it doesn't have to keep coming to council and it can be an executive decision. I think that was quite simply clear. One hopes. Thank you. Councillor Dean. I'd like to um, ask Councillor Lees whether she can guarantee that the said um, replacement home, uh, which is referred to in the report, is really a replacement or just another one that would have been built and supplied anyway, but redesignated as a replacement. I mean, we've had one situation in Stansted where uh, somebody was wanting to redesignate homes that they were already obliged to provide, affordable housing they were already uh, obliged to provide as something else. Um, and clearly that was a, would have been a bit of a con had it happened. So really what I'm asking for is, is there is there any way of ensuring that um, as with, let's say, right to buy, we, if we if we if somebody takes one of our properties, the council's properties under right to buy, I know we have problems in replacing them, but does the same apply here? Or is it just that somebody says this is a replacement, even though it would have been built and made available regardless? Um, I'm terribly sorry, Councillor Dean. I didn't quite understand that question. Um, these are housing uh, authority houses. I did, I'm not sure what you actually meant. Did you actually... Actually, could you could you put it in a simple statement for me? Instead of me trying to ask you what you said, please, could you put it in a more simpler statement? Well, I'm, in paragraph 32, there's reference to, would it be hard to replace shared ownership homes. That implies that there's a mechanism for replacing a shared ownership home that's been sold under 100% ownership. 
so there, it implies that there's a replacement mechanism, but if there is, how, how will we know that the replacement would have, isn't a, a new, fresh, out-of-the-air uh, property or just one that would have been built anyway? So, in other words, are we losing as a result of this process or is there a true replacement? Okay, if I spot in here, I think that uh, Mr. Harborough has a response to that. Roger. I, I actually... Oh, sorry. Mr. Harborough, um, Roger, please go. So um, the evidence which Homes England would be seeking uh, to approve a waiver application is, is simply that there is an ongoing pipeline of uh, new uh, shared equity homes available in the locality to, to meet local housing needs. Um, it's not a question of pairing um, a property of which 100% of the equity is being purchased with another specific property. It's a more general proposition around a continuing supply of shared equity homes. Right. So really the answer is, Mr Chairman, that there is a loss, a net loss, which is a shame that there we are. It is a shame, uh, and I understand that. It does. If you if you looked at the Homes England application, that there is there is an answer to that on page four. Um, I think it's paragraph six or seven, six or seven. Um, it won't actually be a replacement, but as I said earlier, this is about the majority getting a fairer deal. So it, it's as simple as that, really. That because it's so difficult for people to get mortgages and they have to pay at a higher rate. So people are part owning their houses, paying a higher rate, it's seen as a risk, and also paying rent. The possibility of 100% ownership is quite low. Is that right, Mr. Harbour? It's very low indeed. So it really is as simple as that, is that, you know, we are attempting to help the majority receiving a better mortgage rate. So I wouldn't say, Councillor Dean, that it is sad. It is One could argue that it is sad that we might lose one property, but isn't it far greater that those people are having a fairer, better life and getting more for their money and having better rates instead Thank of us providing one house? Very well expressed, Councillor Dean. take this discussion outside this meeting, Mr Chairman. We'll, we'll stop that there. Councillor Evans. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Um, w when um, we talk about a uh, better rate, are we talking um, significant uh, differences, uh, Councillor Lees? Is it sort of 2 3% dif difference? There's one question I have. And the second question really is, how would these waivers apply, bearing in mind that um, the, the housing stock that we're talking about um, varies um, quite substantially in terms of numbers and also... Uh, location is the would the waiver work um, once granted across the whole portfolio, um, or is the waiver granted um, in respect of particular uh, locations uh, or properties? I wasn't um, quite clear about that from reading the papers, but perhaps I could just mention that the that the emails attached I thought were produced in a very uh, legible way, and so thank you to your. Uh, to the officers in your team for presenting them in that uh, fashion without all of the usual 
uh, um, trail that one finds in emails. It's a very neat job done. So good on them. You are absolutely right, Councillor Evans. It, it is most enlightening reading emails from person to person that doesn't seem to have the, the official terminology of reports. I cannot answer on the exact mortgage rate. Um, I have been informed, and it is in the document, that it, it is seen as high risk and high, but I think um, Mr Harper might be able to answer that. Um, each waiver will be applied for separately by housing association. It won't be across the board for Uttersford. It will be each waiver will be applied for individually. That's right, isn't it, Mr. Harbour? Each waiver is applied for separately, and then we have to approve it for each group. It's not for the whole of Uttersford. And as for the actual mortgage rate, I couldn't tell you. I've just been told that it is seen as a high risk lending, and people therefore people have to pay higher rates. I can't, I can't answer exactly how much higher rate, I just know it is a higher rate. Mr Harbour may know more. So on those two questions, I don't have information to hand about exactly what the implications are for um, higher mortgage payments uh, for an individual household. In respect of um, an application, an application can only relate to a specific site, but it would relate to all the shared uh, equity homes on that particular site. Uh, but typically, um, you know, there wouldn't be a large number of properties. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, may I have then a seconder for this proposal, please? Councillor Pepper, thank you very much. Now, will you, will, you, will you go and place your hand over the reactions button and make your vote now? We're getting better at this. Six, seven, oh, that was perfect. Oh, a perfect. A, a full house. Sorry, that's the wrong game. Um, a unanimous verdict, Mr. Ferguson. Thank you very much. And uh, final item thirteen: application for uh, the designation of Little Eastern Neighbourhood Development Plan area. Back to Councillor Evans again. Thank you uh, again, Chairman. Um, this is um, uh, the latest of the neighbourhood plan uh, proposals. Uh, the, uh, it's a small uh, parish, as we know, Little Eastern, and it's being the application for uh, approval is being made by Little Eastern alone. So it is a, a rather modest sum of money that would be involved in this particular instance. It's uh, £2,500, which would be available from uh, Uttlesford. Um, in case anyone fears that there's discrimination being uh, made here, and I was surprised at the amount involved um, com by comparison with the amount made available to Stebbing for its neighbourhood plan. Uh, but that figure of £2,500 um, is referable to the size of population in Middle Eastern uh, it's the same um, amount made available to uh, uh, Ashton uh, and to Quendon and Rickling. Uh, but, of course, Quendon and Rickling joined forces uh, with uh, Newport. So uh, they uh, achieved perhaps an economy of scale there. Uh, but uh, this is the request being made by Little Eastern to do it, uh, to go alone, as it were, uh, not uh, joining up with their neighbours um, at all. 
Um, uh, uh, Councillor Pepper, of course, lives in uh, Little uh, Eastern. Um, uh, and perhaps I might just mention that the parish itself, if one looks at the uh, boundaries, uh, the boundaries proposed for the neighbourhood plan are uh, exactly the same as the parish. So in neighbourhood planning terms, it's an entirely appropriate uh, area uh, that has been selected and is recommended uh, to go um, uh, forward. Uh, the uh, area does not actually extend, as I say, to uh, any part of Great Eastern, uh, and physically it does not uh, cover part of, for example, uh, High Wood, uh, nor the quarry to the west of High Wood, and it does not include um, uh, w the west part of uh, Woodside uh, Way, which are uh, within uh, Dunmo. Uh, the the uh, uh, proposal is um, to be um, commended and uh, encouraged. Uh, the more neighbourhood plans uh, that are undertaken and uh, hopefully um, uh, find approval with examiners and in, referen in a referendum uh, is to be encouraged uh, and is part of our policy to promote. Uh, and uh, I would um, uh, recommend that this uh, proposal uh, be accepted uh, by you. Thank you again, Councillor Evans. Councillor Reeve has his hand up. Thank you. I have two questions. Firstly, I support this uh, wholeheartedly. Um, first question is, do we, does anyone know how many of the Uttlesford um, parishes have their uh, either plans or actual neighbourhood plans? Uh, I should be able to uh, tell you this off the top of my head, I think, Councillor Reeve. Uh, but the first one that was made was uh, Great uh, Dunmo. Uh, the second one was Thaxted. The third one was Felsted. Uh, and there are a great, uh, well, sorry, not a great, there are a number actually underway. Uh, the next one in the pipeline is Newport, Quendon and uh, Rickling. Uh, which is quite advanced, which uh, perhaps Councillor Hargreaves can um, uh, bring us up to speed on. Uh, as to others which are in the pipeline, uh, they include um, my own uh, here in Stebbing, of which I am the, I'm the chairman of that uh, neighbourhood plan steering group. Uh, and Saffron Walden is, uh, is well advancing. Um, and uh, when I said Newport, I, I meant Newport, Quendon and Rickling. And as I said, there's Ashton uh, as well. Uh, and Stansted was a very early starter, uh, but uh, I think is, um, has been in the sidings um, for a little while, um, pending uh, further consideration by it of, uh, of, its, uh, of its policies. Um, the amount of work involved in uh, making these neighbourhood plans is very substantial, as Councillor Hargreaves will uh, no doubt uh, agree with, with me. Um, and I fear that uh, for Little Eastern, um, they will have to dig deep into their own pockets um, for uh, professional advice. Uh, so the amount that we will be making available, it won't go terribly far. Uh, there is additional support available, however, from uh, a departmental um, sponsored body called Locality, uh, and they will actually make funding available, but more particularly also uh, provide some uh, professional uh, advice. Uh, the Rural Council for uh, the Rural Community Council for Essex uh, is extremely uh, uh, effective, uh, and actually, I think that we here in Uttlesford have not actually 
uh, utilize their services, uh, including seminars and so on, uh, as much as we might. Um, that's my experience. Whenever I've been going to meetings organized by them, um, I've never yet met anybody else from Uttlesford. So um, that's just uh, what's happening at the minute anyway. Thank you very much. So we're, we're, oh, sorry. Yeah, you're still we're in excess of the sort of the, the 10 out of 50 or 12 out of 50. So that's, it's going in the good direction uh, uh, to get those done. Thank you. The second question is, what's the interdependence between a neighbourhood plan and the, uh, the district local plan? The neighbourhood plan can't conflict with a local plan. So if the local plan, um, uh, if, if we'd had the local, if, if the withdrawn local plan had provided for um, a particular policy, then a neighbourhood plan policy or should not conflict with it. And that's one of the things that the officers in Uttlesford uh, look out for when they are providing their initial review of a neighbourhood plan. Uh, um, so... Uh, but at the, moment, at the moment, any neighbourhood plan being made now has to conform and not conflict with the 2005 uh, plan. But once made, um, uh, then that neighbourhood plan does become part of the uh, higher planning strategy of the district. It fits in, as it were, um, below, but is part of the development plan um, arrangements for, for our district. So it's, an, it's, a very, it's a very important um, uh, document and the policies contained in it um, uh, are uh, potentially very significant and useful okay. to the community. So, so if this one is developed whilst we're doing the, um, the district local plan, uh, on completion of the district local plan, would it then need to be revised again? It, it would have to be reviewed again, yes. But uh, I mean, like all, like well, a neighbourhood plan, like all plans, um, should be reviewed. And uh, uh, for example, East Hearts at the moment, their local plan went through successfully, but they're all they they now are actually beginning to review it again. So um, review process is something which should be undertaken as a matter of good practice uh, right across the board, whichever type of local plan, it, sorry, whichever type of development plan it is. Right, let's, can we move on, Councillor Hargraves? Yes, uh, thank you. Yes, I, I very much uh, welcome this. Um, on, on, um, it's a very good um, learning matter for the people doing the plan because you learn all about council planning policies and how to, what works and what doesn't work and what, what words are okay and what words are not okay. Uh, it means that uh, you then end up, when you're faced with planning applications, Having, uh, having to respond to them, you end up with a very much more professional uh, response than possibly you would have if you were just the parish council who's perhaps gone on one training course. Um, so it, it's, it's well worth doing just, just for, its own, for its own sake. Um, I have to say, uh, I was surprised about the amount of money that was being allocated. I just assumed, I'd just been told they were all £10,000 per neighbourhood plan. Uh, so as a result of this, I checked out with the officer exactly how much pot of cash we got left for our Newport Quendon Rickling one. And I hadn't realised we had an extra two and a half thousand pounds for Quendon and Rickling on top of the ten thousand Newport. So we found we got money left in the pot, uh, which we have got some bills still to come. 
which we thought the parish council were just going to have to pay. Uh, but it's done, done as a service because uh, we've found we've actually got a little, little more, little more cash to uh, to spend. Um, in terms of compliance, we wrote hours effectively to comply with the withdrawn local plan. So that, of course, meant we got to have to strip all the stuff out that we'd, we'd written these compliance things in and put the 2005 in, which is much thinner. Uh, we have been able to adopt quite a lot of the useful text policies from the withdrawn plan, landscape policies, business protection policies, uh, um, <clears throat> policies for affordable housing, which are stronger uh, in, in the withdrawn plan than in the um, adopted plan. So you can make the opportunity now to put things in from the, the wordings that have been effectively thrown away or put on hold for the moment. You've got an opportunity to get those into your, to your netbook plan. So, uh, yeah, go for it. Thank you, Councillor Pepper. Um, as I live in Little Eastern, how does it work with the voting? Because obviously, would it be seen as a conflict of interest if I put my, you know, thumbs up? Or how how, how is that work going to work with the voting? I, I can't see there's a problem with you voting for that. Uh, Mr Harbour? Well, because there's a presumption that where the proposed neighbourhood plan area fits with the parish boundary, in effect, there, is, there isn't really a decision to be made in oh, practice. Okay. Okay. But, so that I, I, I don't see there's any conflict of interest in you. Support. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. <clears throat> okay. Councillor Foley. Yeah, uh, just to really say that uh, you'd be glad to know that work has already started on the, uh, the least neighbourhood plan. And uh, we, so there's no, uh, we... Uh, get that, uh, that funding the better. And thank you very much. Thank you, Councillor Stora. Thank you, Leader. I'd just like to uh, issue a word of warning, if I may. Uh, Emphasise the point that Councillor Evans made. And it's this. Any neighbourhood plan must comply with the adopted local plan. Now, at the time, uh, as we sit here currently, adopted local plan is that one adopted in 2005. But all being well, that will change. It will take some time, but I would urge the parish council to have regard to the fact that the situation may change. And I wouldn't want too much time and money to be spent on producing a local uh, an, a neighbourhood plan which they were comfortable with to discover that it might be uh, superseded by whatever might be in, be in the um, emerging local plan, whatever that is. There may be merit, therefore, and I just throw the, this in as something to think about, to wait and see what's in the emerging local plan and see how they think their resources might be best employed, whether it's to progress with the neighbourhood plan or to perhaps, dare I say, oppose the emerging uh, local plan. I just saw that in, as I say, as a word of caution, just something, something to think about rather than go full steam ahead and possibly regret it in the fullness of time. Thank you. 
Thank you. I think it would obviously be useful if those, if those conversations are had with the, the team, well, with the, uh, with the parish council and the team that emerges. And so I'm sure, I'm sure that will happen. So could I have a seconder for this, please, the, re the, uh, the designation? Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Councillor Reid, thank you very much. Uh, can you have your, fi your uh, fingers poised on the button? Vote now, please. We're getting the hang of this now, aren't we, I think? I think that's a unanimous decision again. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody. And uh, the meeting finished at uh, nine. Leader. Uh, I, I, I don't know whether we should be off air for this, but uh, I have got one question for our Chief Executive uh, Officer. Well, uh, if, actually, no, kind of procedurally, what, what, what does this fall under? Um, staffing would uh, probably, uh, probably be. Well, I, I think I declare the meeting closed. I think, Ben, if you can shut off 